Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network hosted by Pete Lutz. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome, everyone, to season 14, season 14 of the Sonic Society, the world's largest, longest-running showcase of modern audio theater. We're your co-hosts on this journey. I'm Jack Ward, and with me is my wonderful friend and audio actor of a thousand roles, David Alt. David, welcome back to the Sonic Society regular season. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It seems such a long time since I joined in, I think, at the end of season seven. Was it? Oh my goodness, it has been a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> so you've just, yes. you've doubled it now. Now we're at 14. You've yes. gone seven seasons. Yeah. You are officially yeah. the longest running co-host. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> well done for putting up with me for so long. <laughs> oh, that, that's the easy part. And the, the, the difficult part is, is getting over to the, the Summerstock Theatre every... I mean, it's a long way from Yorkshire to, to Nova Scotia. It's, it's oh my a, goodness. It's a long drive. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful place to be in the summertime, though. I do oh, appreciate absolutely. it. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yes, yes. And, and But it's just having to get over every week for the society. And yeah, I, if only we could record a few of these at once and do it via Skype, it would make things a lot easier. Absolutely. Did you have fun this season? <laughs> absolutely, yes. We had a whole range of brilliant shows, as per usual. And it was really nice to hear sure. some new people come along as well. We had the Table Reads and the Amigos. That's right. Really done well. And of course, the old favorites like Narada Radio Theater. So it was another fantastic. Icebox yep. as yep. well. And it's funny because, you know, Jeffrey Billard, who produced the last show, The Stars Are Sticks, he's already jumping ahead for next year. He's already got a request for lines to come in at the end of this month for next year's show. Oh. And he's just having so much fun doing some of these old time radio shows. And if you out there are just as interested as a producer or a group of people who want to do some recreations of old time radio please give us a shout at sonic society at gmail.com we'd love to have your edition next year it's always good to have new voices in the sonic summer stock playhouse absolutely and one thing that we should probably mention at this point is you wrote a little feature for a quora question a little article about what to do if you want to make audio drama with your friends yes i'll put that up on the website and you can find that link to that quora question it is rather long and involved but i'm told that it is pretty comprehensive <laughs> i sat it down and did it in one writing so i'm almost afraid to go back and reread it but <laughs> i've got enough positive feedback that i don't think it's too badly fraught with error so i think we're good <laughs> <laughs> but yes it's worth just remembering that audio drama is something that people are coming to even now even if it's something that you can get into at any stage of life people have been doing audio drama like we've been doing audio drama for years and years and years some people are starting new podcasts are starting all the time yes. and new people are coming to the world of audio drama which is wonderful and, and if you are uh, one of these new people finding audio drama for the very first time welcome it's a pleasure to have you and hopefully you will stick with the sonic society as your guide to the showcase of modern audio drama yes for those who aren't aware and this is your first trip here please go through the entire backlog of more than 700 shows of the sonic society as we're getting close to removing those first 10 years from the feed what what removing what <laughs> you, you you can't no surely not 
<laughs> well, there's all kinds of opportunities to find our earlier years in other places. But for now, we're going to focus on so many new shows in the future. Mm-hmm. I, I do promise it will be worth it. I know that when people look at the feed, if they're not careful, they can get a little overwhelmed. <laughs> yes, yes. I when with certain podcasts, I like to go back to episode one and listen through them. But it's called the Iron Man Challenge. I know that a lot of people they are really really proud. It's just like I just finished the entire series of the Sonic <laughs> Society, and they send me this message just to show, like props. Like at this point, you should get a hat or a ribbon or a, a trophy or something to be able to go through. I'm just I'm so thrilled that people find that great value as we do in so many different modern audio drama shows. Yes. So we should sort of talk a little bit about of other things too. Yeah. I just said that there'll be more shows, and we're going to move towards a two show a week series with all sorts of weekly features on Thursdays. Now, now, hang on, Jack. Hang on, Jack. Mm-hmm. This is this is getting a bit much. I mean, I've already got my frequent flyer <laughs> card right. for Air Transat you know, twice a week. Well, <laughs> the truth was, you th- are thinking of moving to either the United States or Canada, <laughs> and I'm doing everything I can to make Nova Scotia your home. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So the second week of the month will be our Sonic Speaks will return, where we'll have interviews, mostly done by me. But if I can rope David into doing some interviews and saving me, that'd be great too. So <laughs> the first. This one that's coming up here in September was a sit-down interview I had a month ago with Fred Greenhalgh, and so that was a lot of fun. We were in his car. I mean, we were doing sound effects as if we were in his car, which cost a lot of money. Oh, and yes, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so look for that, which will be kind of cool. The third week, of course, we're continuing with Sonic Echo with the Amigos. This month, Tanya Malevich is uh, a guest she is she sort of is a holdover from our sonic summer stock parlor they wanted to do an extra month and bring her in for one show she is brilliant and she's such a wonderful person as well one of my most favorite Um, people in the whole world absolutely yes she she came to the new york production of the no sleep podcast live oh wonderful and was there with her dog and um she was part of the white vault because the white vault opened for us in new york city oh they did that's fantastic yeah i didn't know that yes we had various podcasts opening for us in in different places and yeah white vault for new york and so travis was there caitlin was there nice and and some of the other members of the cast and it was great and but yeah Tanya is lovely. That's amazing. Absolutely lovely. I got to meet her last month too at the big Steve Schneider shindig. Try and Ah, say that three times quickly. Steve Schneider shindig. That's a tongue (laughs) twister if you ever heard one. Steve Schneider shindig. Yes. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Yes. So that worked out really well. And it was such a joy to be able to meet her face to face. Mm. Yes. Yes, of course. For MadCon 2020, which... MadCon 2020. If you haven't already put it in your calendars and your diaries and tattooed it on your forehead backwards, it will be the 24th (laughs) to the 26th of July in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The website is mostly ready, I am assured, by certain members of the Sonic Society. Yes. But yes, it is going to be a fantastic weekend. And I've been able to hear from behind the scenes some of the amazing, amazing things that are going to be there. All of the business that's going on behind it, it is going to be a fantastic weekend. It is. And there's all sorts of great partnerships that are happening right now. And we have lots of people who are going to be showing up who are really excited. Expect that you should be able to go on there and be able to get your early bird purchase of the weekend ticket which is only $210 which is amazing price for three days plus if you want to come Thursday night mm-hmm. I hope you do and come to the meetup on Thursday night that would be awesome and even the accommodations are really quite mm-hmm. inexpensive there's a number of different options that we're also talking with Discover Halifax about getting even more options up there so things like bed and breakfasts and other hotels if people are interested in going that route instead of just using the on campus uh, facilities which are fantastic if I were coming from out of town I would certainly go with that because it's not even a half a block it's literally the building <laughs> over from the conference and they're so inexpensive and they come with an ensuite bathroom and an ensuite kitchenette and all those kind of things so you don't have to spend anywhere near the amount of money you might have to spend in a you know in a four-star restaurant or in a four-star hotel or whatever I am thrilled and I can't wait <laughs> to tell everybody more and more about what's going to happen with Madcom as we get going and we're going to start putting out some promos and some discussions so people will know little commercials to get people to go in Uh, the quicker we buy these tickets the more we can expand and bring in even more guests so 
really excited about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So the uh, third week, we talked about Sonic Echo with the Amigos. We'll be continuing. The fourth week will be Empire Network monthly feature. That's the Empire Network is part of what the Sonic Society is part of the Empire Network. And we're going to try to feature every month something from the network group. So it'll be another audio drama that month. So two audio dramas on the feed that month, which will yeah, be kind of fun. Brilliant. And then the first week, we're starting... Uh, I haven't talked to you about this, David, but I no. would love if you would be interested. We're starting a new show. I was going to have a show about geeks and nerds in Nova Scotia to get people excited about the area, but my friend who wanted to do that has unfortunately become quite ill. Oh, and no. so she's going to have to spend some time taking care of herself. And Christy, I hope you're feeling better soon. So I thought about some of the different options that I had. And the one that kept coming up to my head was audio drama today. So I'm going to be reading and I'm hoping maybe David would be interested and anyone else who is interested will have a 20 to 30 minute show about the latest news of what's going on in the audio drama world. Mm. So mm. it'll be set up almost like a newscast kind of thing, but it's more like an audio drama journal with people who are interested. They may want to, if you have a brand new show and you're a producer and you want to get your trailer out, send it to us and we'll put it on audio drama today. We don't always have the time to stick it on the Sonic Society. We will definitively have time on audio drama today. Fantastic. So ADT or audio drama today has its own Facebook page. I haven't spent a lot of time talking to people about it as I get stuff together for the first month. I think I will host that first month just because I'm still shaking out everything that needs to be done. Well, certainly anyone <laughs> who wants to uh, try out to be a guest host for that or a regular host for that is more than welcome to. Mm -hmm. And you can always send us your best news anchor kind of voice to sonicsociety at gmail.com yes absolutely and now the weather now the weather exactly <laughs> audio drama weather is usually sunny <laughs> <laughs> apart from when it doesn't need to be that's right it's only rainy when we have a cancellation of a show of some sort or <laughs> <laughs> yes. a couple of other things just to keep in mind new never before released EVP shows will be available behind a paywall so these are things you might find in our Patreon that we're going to make live Probably December at this point. I was hoping September, but there's too many things going on at the same time. <laughs> You'll also find new audio novel and new audio fiction content. I have successfully, it's going through the last rung of other editors, but I have formatted five collections of script books mm -hmm. that I will have for sale as well as available for people who are subscribers at Patreon. So you'll get first crack at these ebooks. And I also will make sure that they're out for paperback formats. So if you need to have a great script book put together, use them for various different things. I'm one of those nerds that buys script books. So <laughs> if if you're a nerd like me to get them, they'll be available. I'm I've got the first collection of the Deadline anthology the first collection of the Wavefront anthology. I've got the first collection of the Darker Musings anthology. I've got the reissue and including Faith, uh, Seven Deadly Sins series. That's, uh, I've got the original version of the Shadowlands, yes. That's right. So the Shadowlands will return with its updated version, expanded and updated version with some new insights, as well as I put together the complete collection of the scripts of Gate. And I have forwards from a number of different people for all of those things. Ah. Those will be all available and it will be quite cool. Matt Leon is actually not only working on the graphics for the MadCon website, he's also doing me a new gate book cover. So lots of fun stuff on the writing side of things and a lot of interesting, neat benefits. That's one of the reasons why I'm not releasing Patreon right away is I want to have a good collection of great things to provide people. Some stuff to read, some stuff to listen to some stuff to watch on video. So there'll mm. be a lot of interesting content. Doesn't mean that we're going to give up providing free content, of course. So it's nice to be able to have an exclusive series for those people who are interested in becoming patrons and supporting the Sonic Society. And mm -hmm. It's called Sonic Gold, by the way, is the Patreon, based on the old Sonic Gold. So it'll be quite fun. Was yeah. there anything else? I think that's everything for now. We've talked a long time, but we wanted to <laughs> we get have. things started yes. uh, well. And before we fall too deeply into many other things, we should really get involved in tonight's feature the long-awaited adaptation of the famous richard connell short story the most dangerous game produced by scott mosher and you know i've been waiting two whole months to say it all begins right here on the sonic society stuck in traffic rushing through your days ache for some action in your life dream of a little adventure why not disappear from the mundane world and join us 
Electric Vicuna Productions presents Action Adventure Audio Theater, an anthology series for thrills and heart-pounding action. Tonight's first tale is a classic from the pen of Richard Connell. We take you now to the marketplace in Enquitos, Peru, the gateway to the Amazon jungle. There, amidst the hustle and bustle of commerce, a sweating Englishman dressed for the hunt looks about anxiously. Fruta fresca, caballero americano? Muy fresca y saludable como comida de bebé. Uh, no, thank you. I, 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 I'm, I'm late. I'll blast this marketplace. It's a sea of people. Paraguas, entonces, para mantenerse seco en el lluvioso bosque, el jardín del Edén. What? No, no umbrellas, thank you. If this were the Garden of Eden, then we'd have less heat and more rain. Do you know where the guides are? Disculpe? Uh, oh, uh, sabe donde puedo encontrar al guía de la jungla? En la jungla? <laughs> of course. Of course I ask where the jungle guides can be found, and of course you'd say, in the jungle. Let me try again. Where are they in the marketplace? I was supposed to meet Juan Carlos here. Juan Carlos? The guide? Here. Juan Carlos? Yo no sé, pero aquí hay otro cazador. Another hunter? I wasn't aware of another jaguar hunter in town. Perhaps he'll know. Where is this hunter? Oh, what? Where is the foreign hunter? Él está allí. ¿Lo ves? En la cafetería. Él llegó anoche. He arrived last night. Where? By the cafe, you say? Uh, oh, he slumped in the corner. I must missed him. Uh, muchas gracias, señorita. ¿Necesita una habitación? Conozco un lugar so muy limpio. Blasted hot. I should wait at least until morning before we go traipsing through the jungle. Coffee for you, sir? Oh, what luck you speak English. Tell me, my good man, do you know anything of the hunter there in the corner? Do you know him, sir? I thought I knew all the hunters in Peru at this time, but I, I can't very well see him with that safari hat over his head and his face on the table. He's not dead, is he? Oh, certainly not, sir. Would you want a table of your own? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, just bring a glass of lemonade to the gentleman's table, if you will. As you wish, sir. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Do you mind if I... Good God, Sanger! Sanger Rainsford! What? Great ghosts, man. You're as white as a sheet. Do you have malaria? No, no malaria. And you're so thin. What happened to you? I thought you were lost aboard the yacht. Steamer? Captain Nielsen, the goater. Do you remember? Whitney? Yes, Sanger. It's your friend Whitney. Uh, waiter, bring this man some stew. No, no. I'm not hungry. The devil you aren't. You're as tattered as your clothes. They make good stew here. Fresh meat. Meat? Oh, no. Just rest, old man. Stew, sir. Anything else? A, a snifter of port or whatever suffices for decent libation. Very good, sir. Come now, man. Pick up that spoon. I won't take no for an answer. Very well. You must tell me what's happened to you, Sanger. We looked all over the ship for you in the morning. <coughs> Take your time. I, I, um, I... Relax. Eat for a moment. I'm just so surprised to see you. We were on the yacht, coursing through the Caribbean. It was blasted hot that night. A different kind of hot, thick as this Turkish coffee, and so dark. Off there to the right, somewhere, is a large island. It's rather a mystery. What island is it? The old charts call it Ship Trap Island. <laughs> a suggestive name, isn't it? Sailors have a curious dread of the place. I don't know why. Some superstition. I, I, I can't see it. <laughs> you good eyes. And I've seen you pick off a moose moving in the brown fall brush at 400 yards. But even you can't see four miles or so through a moonless Caribbean night. Nor four yards. Ah, it, it's like moist black velvet. It'll be light enough in Rio. 
We should make it in a few days. We should. From there, we can make our way to Iquitos, Peru, and the deepest part of the Amazonian basin. I hope the Jaguar guns have come from Purdy's. We should have some good hunting up the Amazon. Great sport, hunting. The best sport in the world. <laughs> For the hunter, not the Jaguar. Don't talk rot with me. You're a big game hunter, not a philosopher. Who cares how a Jaguar feels? <sighs> Perhaps the Jaguar does. <laughs> they have no understanding. Even so, I rather think they understand one thing. Fear. The fear of pain and the fear of death. <laughs> Nonsense. This hot weather is making you soft, Whitney. Be a realist. The world is made up of two classes. The hunters and the huntees. You and I are hunters. Do you think we've passed that island yet? I can't tell in the dark. I hope so. Why? This place has a reputation. A bad one. Cannibals? Oh, hardly. Even cannibals wouldn't live in such a godforsaken place. But it's gotten into sailor law somehow. Didn't you notice that the crew's nerves seemed a bit jumpy today? They were a bit strange now that you mention it. Even Captain Nielsen? Yes, even that tough-minded old Swede who'd go up to the devil himself and ask him for a light. <laughs> Those fishy blue eyes held a look I never saw before. All I could get out of him was, This place has an evil name among seafaring men, sir. <laughs> then he said to me very gravely, Don't you feel anything? As if the air about us was actually poisonous. Now, you mustn't laugh when I tell you this. I did feel something like a sudden chill. Pure imagination. One superstitious sailor contained the whole ship's company with his fear. Maybe. Maybe. But sometimes I think sailors have an extra sense that tells them when they're in danger. Sometimes I think evil is a tangible thing with wavelengths just like sound and light. An evil place can broadcast vibrations of evil. Anyhow, I'm glad we're getting out of this zone. Well, I think I'll turn in now, Rainsford. Well, I'm not sleepy, and the smell of your tobacco has given me a hankering. I'm going to smoke another pipe up in the afterdeck before turning in, I think. Good night, then, Rainsford. See you at breakfast. Right. Good night, Whitney. And that's when I last saw you, Sanger. What happened? I fell overboard. Come now, man. You've had your sea legs before. I assure you, Whitney, beneath this dirty exterior, I'm unabashedly shamefaced. Well, don't leave me in suspense, man. Tell me what happened. I warn you, you'll not believe it. I swear as an Englishman... I wouldn't believe it myself had I not lived it. So, drink your port. Courage, man, courage. You, you were right. The last time I saw you was aboard the yacht. Walking down the steps for the night. There was no sound that night, save for the muffled throb of the engine that drove the ship swiftly through the darkness, and the swish and ripple of the wash of the propeller. I was reclining in a steamer chair. I had just lit and was puffing on my favorite briar. The night was thick and black. I remember thinking, it's so dark, I could sleep without closing my eyes. The night would be my eyelids. And that's when I first heard it. Abrupt, but unmistakable. Somewhere off in the night, someone had fired a gun. Three times. I jumped up and moved quickly to the rail, mystified. I strained my eyes in the direction from which the reports had come, but it was like trying to see through a blanket. I leapt upon the rail and balanced there, but my pipe struck one of the guidelines and was knocked from my mouth. Damn! I lunged for the cursed thing, too late realizing I had reached too far and lost my balance. Any cry from my throat was pinched off short as the blood-warm waters of the Caribbean Sea dozed over my head. Help! Help! Anyone! 
overboard! I struggled to the surface and the wash from the speeding yacht slapped my face. The salt water gagged and strangled me. Desperately, I struck out with strong strokes after the receding lights of the yacht, but I stopped after I made about 50 feet. The panic had left me. The chances of someone hearing my shouts grew more slender as the yacht raced on. I wrestled out of my clothes and shouted with all my power. The lights of the yacht became faint like ever-vanishing fireflies. Then they were blotted out entirely by the night. I was totally alone upon the thick waters. I had to make a decision. I remember the shots. They had come from the right and I doggedly swam in that direction. Slow, deliberate strokes. I had to conserve my strength. For seemingly endless time, I fought the sea. I began to count my strokes. I could manage possibly a hundred more, and then... It came out of the darkness. A scream, the sound of an animal in an extremity of anguish and terror. I didn't recognize the animal. I honed in on its sound and swam towards it. It sounded again, that unearthly scream. But this time it was cut short by the crisp staccato shot of a pistol. Without options, I swam on, desperate for land. I swam for a good ten more minutes before I began to hear the sound of waves against the shore. With all my strength, I swam in the pitch black until I crashed onto the jagged rocks. On a less calm night, I'm sure I would have been shattered against them. With what remaining strength I had left, I dragged myself from the swirling waters. The cliff in front of me was all jagged crags jutting up into the darkness. I forced myself upward, hand over hand. My palms and fingers were raw and bleeding when I finally reached the top. I spent a long time just laying on my back staring through the swollen, dense jungle. What, what perils the tangle of trees and underbrush might hold did not concern me just then. All I knew was that I was safe from my enemy, the sea. Utter weariness, uh, another enemy dragged at me, and I fell into the deepest sleep of my life. When I opened my eyes, the position of the sun told me it was late in the afternoon. Sleep had given me new vigor, but a sharp hunger picked at me. I was certain that where there were pistol shots, there must be men, and where there were men, there was food. But what kind of men in such forbidding a place? I saw no sign of a trail through the closely knit web of weeds and trees. It was easier to hike along the shore. I am no novice in the wilderness, and I found by the evidence a place where some wounded large animal had thrashed about in the underbrush. The jungle weeds were crushed. The moss was lacerated. One patch of weeds was stained crimson. I discovered a small glittering object not far away. I picked it up. It was an emptied cartridge from a twenty-two. The hunter certainly had his nerve to tackle a fairly large animal with such a light gun. It's clear that the brute put up a fight. I suppose the first three shots I had heard flushed the quarry into the open and wounded it. The last shot must have been when the hunter trailed his prey here and finished it. I examined the ground closely and found what I had hoped to find, the print of hunting boots pointing along the cliff in the direction I had been wandering. I eagerly hurried along, slipping on a rotten log or loose stone, but still made headway. Night settled down on the island. The darkness blacked out the sea and jungle when I sighted the lights. I turned a crook in the coastline along my path and thought it was a village, for there were many lights. But as I forged along, to my great astonishment, I discovered that all the lights were in one enormous building a lofty structure with pointed towers plunging upward into the gloom. A palatial chateau, 
set on a high bluff. Three sides of it, cliffs dived down to where the sea licked greedy lips in the shadows. My first thought was that it was a mirage, but it was no phantom. The spiked iron gates curtaining the grounds, the stone steps, the massive door with a leering gargoyle door knocker were all real enough. But it was such a bastion of civility, starkly contrast against the wilderness, that above it all hung an air of unreality. The sound of the knocker startled me. Uh, I thought I heard footsteps within, but nothing. I let the knocker fell twice and then... Bright golden light spilled from within, but the first thing I saw was the largest man I had ever seen. <coughs> a gigantic creature, solidly made and black-bearded to the waist. In his hand, he held a long-barreled revolver pointed straight at my heart. <coughs> Two beady eyes glaring at me. He was dressed in uniform, black, trimmed with gray astrakhan. <coughs> uh, don't be alarmed. I'm no robber. I fell off a yacht. My name is Sanger Rainsford of New York City. <coughs> I'm Sanger Rainsford of New York. I fell off a yacht. I'm hungry. Ivan! <coughs> Coming down the broad marble steps strode an erect, slender man in evening clothes. He ignored the huge doorman and held his hand out to me. It is a very great pleasure and honor to welcome Mr. Sanger Rainsford, the celebrated hunter, to my home. S sir I have read your book about hunting snow leopards in Tibet, you see. I am General Zaroff. I do admit, upon the very first impression, Zaroff was singularly handsome. But at second glance, there was this original, almost bizarre quality about his face. He was a tall man, although we were both dwarfed by Ivan. He was past middle age, his hair was a vivid white, but his thick eyebrows and pointed military mustache were as black as the night from which I had arrived. His eyes, too, were black and very bright. He had high cheekbones, a sharp nose, a spare, dark face, the face of a man used to giving orders, the face of an aristocrat. Turning to the giant in uniform, the general made a sign. The giant put away his pistol, saluted, and withdrew. Ivan is an incredibly strong fellow, but he has the misfortune to be deaf and dumb. A simple fellow, but I'm afraid, like all his race, a bit of a savage. Is he Russian? He is a Cossack. So am I. Come, we shouldn't be chatting here. We can talk later. Now you'll want clothes, food, rest. You shall have them. This is a most restful spot. <laughs> ah, you'll have to excuse Ivan and I, Mr. Rainsford. Uh, what's that? We've developed quite a shorthand lip-reading in Russian. At times I forget I'm not speaking aloud. Not at all, General. I apologize for my state in coming here unannounced, if I only... More on that later, Mr. Rainsford. For now, follow Ivan, if you please. I was about to have my dinner when you arrived. I'll wait for you. You'll find that my clothes will fit you, I think. <laughs> very, very well. It was to a huge beam-ceiling bedroom with a canopied bed big enough for six men. Ivan laid out an evening suit. I noticed that it came from a London tailor who ordinarily cut and sewed for none below the rank of Duke. The dining room to which Ivan conducted me was in many ways remarkable. There was a medieval magnificence about it. It suggested a baronial hall of feudal times with its oaken panels, its high ceilings, its vast refectory tables where two-score men could sit down to eat. About the hall were mounted heads of many animals, lions, tigers, elephants, moose, bears. Larger or more perfect specimens I have never seen. At the great table, the general was sitting alone. You'll have a cocktail, Mr. Rainsford. Thank you, general. You're too kind. Nonsense. 
I hope you will find everything to your liking. Ivan, the Borscht, please. Mm. Mm. We do our best to preserve the amenities of civilization here. Please forgive any lapses. We are well off the beaten track, you know. Incredible, General. The table appointments alone are of the finest order. Everything from the linen to the silver crystal and china are all the highest quality. I'm so grateful you are pleased. Oh, Ivan has returned. You'll forgive the call to my childhood palate. Russians so dearly love our borscht. Rich and red as blood, but the hardest, of course, was getting the whipped cream. Almost as difficult as the champagne. Do you think it has suffered from the long ocean trip? Huh. Not in the least. Perhaps you were surprised that I recognized your name. You see, I read all books on hunting published in English, French, and Russian. I have but one passion in my life, Mr. Rainsford, and it is the hunt. Uh, I've noticed your fine collection on the walls. You have some wonderful heads here. What, what is this, steak? Filet mignon. Ivan is an accomplished cook, amongst other things. I hope you like your meat well done. Mm, certainly. That Cape Buffalo head is... Uh, one of the largest I've ever seen. Oh, that fellow. Yes, he was a monster. Hmm. Did he charge you? Hurled me against a tree. Fractured my skull. But I got the brute. I've always thought that the Cape Buffalo is the most dangerous of all big game. No. You are wrong, sir. The Buffalo is not the most dangerous game. Here in my preserve on this island, I hunt more dangerous game. Is, is there big game on this island? The biggest. Really? Oh, it isn't here naturally, of course. I have to stock the island. What have you imported, General? Tigers? No. Hunting tigers ceased to interest me some years ago. I exhausted their possibilities, you see. No thrill left in tigers, no real danger. I live for danger, Mr. Rainsford. Would you care for a cigarette? They are a rare run of Palmal Blacks that I have cultivated somewhat a taste for. Thank you, General. That's quite a good case you keep them in. Sure you, it is more of a keepsake from the royal family instead of pure vanity. Uh, Ivan, please light Mr. Rainford's cigarette. <laughs> we will have capital hunting, you and I. I shall be most glad to have your society. Quite strong tobacco. It bites back. Indeed it does. What is the game? I'll tell you. You will be amused, I know. I think I may say, in all modesty, that I have done a rare thing. I have invented a new sensation. May I pour you another glass of port? Thank you, General. God makes some men poets. Some he makes kings, some beggars. Me, he made a hunter. My hand was made for the trigger, my father said. He was a very rich man with a quarter of a million acres in the Crimea, and he was an ardent sportsman. When I was only five years old, he gave me a little gun, specially made in Moscow for me to shoot sparrows with. When I shot some of his prized turkeys with it, he did not punish me. He complimented me on my marksmanship. I killed my first bear in the Caucasus when I was ten. My whole life has been one prolonged hunt. I went into the army. It was expected of noblemen's sons, and for a time commanded a division of Cossack cavalry, but my real interest was always the hunt. I have hunted every kind of game in every land. It would be impossible for me to tell you how many animals I have killed. After the debacle in Russia, I left the country, for it was imprudent for an officer of the Tsar to stay there. Many noble Russians lost everything. I luckily had invested heavily in American securities, so I shall never have to open a tea room in Monte Carlo or drive a taxi in Paris. 
Naturally, I continue to hunt grizzlies in your Rockies, crocodiles in the Ganges, rhinoceroses in East Africa. It was in Africa that the Cape Buffalo hit me and laid me up for six months. As soon as I recovered, I started for the Amazon to hunt jaguars, for I had heard they were unusually cunning. They weren't. They were no match at all for a hunter with his wits about him and a high-powered rifle. I was bitterly disappointed. I was lying in my tent with a splitting headache one night when a terrible thought pushed its way into my mind. Hunting was beginning to bore me. And hunting, remember, had been my life. I have heard that in America, businessmen often go to pieces when they give up the business that has been their life. Yes, that, that's so. I had no wish to go to pieces. I must do something. Now, mine is an analytical mind, Mr. Rainsford. Doubtless that is why I enjoy the problems of the chase. <laughs> no doubt, General Zaro. So, I asked myself why the hunt no longer fascinated me. You are much younger than I am, Mr. Rainsford, and have not hunted as much, but you can perhaps guess the answer. What was it? Simply this. Hunting had ceased to be what you call a sporting proposition. It had become too easy. I always got my quarry. Always. There is no greater bore than perfection. No animal had a chance with me anymore. That is no boast, it is a mathematical certainty. The animal had nothing but his legs and his instinct. Instinct is no match for reason. When I thought of this, it was a tragic moment for me, I can tell you. An existential moment. Mm, indeed. It came to me as an inspiration, what I must do. Oh, and that was? I had to invent a new animal to hunt. A, a new animal? You're joking. Not at all. I never joke about hunting. I needed a new animal. I found one. So, I bought this island, built this house, and here I do my hunting. The island is perfect for my purposes. There are jungles with a maze of traits in them, hills, swamps. But the animal, General Zarov. It supplies me with the most exciting hunting in the world. No other hunting compares with it for an instant. Every day I hunt, and I never grow bored now, for I have a quarry with which I can match my wits. But... I wanted the perfect animal to hunt. So I said, what are the attributes of an ideal quarry? And the answer was, of course, it must have courage, cunning, and above all, it must be able to reason. Ah, yes, but no animal can reason. My dear fellow, there is one that can. But you can't mean... And why not? I, I can't believe you're serious, General Zarov. This is a grisly joke. Why should I not be serious? I am speaking of hunting. Hunting? Great guns, General Zarov. What you're speaking of is murder. Oh, I refuse to believe that so modern and civilized a young man as you seem to be harbors romantic ideas about the value of human life. Surely your experiences in the war... Didn't make me condone cold-blooded murder. <laughs> How extraordinarily droll you are. One does not expect nowadays to find a young man of the educated class, even in America, with such a naive and, if I may say so, mid-Victorian point of view. It's like finding a snuffbox in a limousine. Ah, well, doubtless you had Puritan ancestors, like so many Americans. I'll wager you'll forget your notions when you go hunting with me. You've a genuine new thrill in store for you, Mr. Thank you. I'm a hunter, not a murderer. Dear me. Again, that unpleasant word. But I think I can show you that your scruples are quite ill-founded. Yeah? Life is for the strong, Mr. Rainsford. To be lived by the strong, and if needs be, taken by the strong. The weak of the world were put here to give the strong pleasure. I am strong. Why should I not use my gift? If I wish to hunt, why should I not? I hunt the scum of the earth. Sailors from tramp ships, lassars, blacks, Chinese, whites, mongrels. A thoroughbred horse or hound is worth more than a score of them. But they are men. 
Precisely. That is why I use them. It gives me pleasure. They can reason after a fashion. So, they are dangerous. Where do you get them? This island is called Ship Trap. Sometimes an angry god of the high seas sends them to me. Sometimes when Providence is not so kind, I help Providence a bit. Come to the window with me. Watch. Out there as I flip this electric switch by the window. There's only blackness. Oh, there. A series of lights flashing. <laughs> they indicate a channel where there's none. Giant rocks with razor edges crouch like a sea monster with wide open jaws. They can crush a ship as easily as I crush this nut. Oh, yes. I have electricity. We try to be civilized here. Civilized? And you shoot down men. Dear me, what a righteous young man you are. <laughs> I assure you I do not do the thing you suggest. That would be barbarous. I treat these visitors with every consideration. They get plenty of good food and exercise. They get into splendid physical condition. You shall see for yourself tomorrow. What do you mean? We'll visit my training school. It's in the cellar. I have about a dozen pupils down there now. They're from the Spanish bark San Lucar that had the bad luck to go on the rocks out there. A very inferior lot, I regret to say. Poor specimens and more accustomed to the deck than to the jungle. Ivan has brought us some Turkish coffee, shall we? It's a game, you see. I suggest to one of them that we go hunting. I give him a supply of food and an excellent hunting knife. I give him three hours start. I am to follow, armed only with a pistol of the smallest caliber and range. If my quarry eludes me for three whole days, he wins the game. If I find him, he loses. Yeah, suppose he refuses to be hunted. Oh, I give him this option, of course. He need not play that game if he doesn't wish to. If he does not wish to hunt, I turn him over to Ivan. Ivan once had the honor of serving as official nauter, Someone who beats captives, criminals. I'm well aware of what a nauter does. Well, Ivan had the privilege to work for the great white czar, and he has his own ideas of sport. Invariably, they choose the hunt. And if they win? <laughs> to date, I have not lost. I don't wish you to think me a braggart, Mr. Rainford. Many of them afford only the most elementary sort of problem. Occasionally I strike a tartar. One almost did win. I eventually had to use the dogs. The dogs? Mm, this way, please. I'll show you. You can see them better on the other side of the chateau. There. From this distance the lamps can make quite grotesque shadows on the courtyard, but do you see them below? Y yes, yes. There's several... Fourteen, actually. Good dog. They're huge beasts. A rather strong lot, I think. They are let out at seven every night. <clears throat> if anyone should try to get into my house, or out of it, something extremely regrettable would occur to him. And now... I want to show you my new collection of heads. Will you come with me to the library? I, ho I hope that you will excuse me tonight, General Zaroff. I'm not feeling well. <clears throat> ah, indeed. Hmm. Well, I suppose that's only natural after your long swim. You need a good, restful night's sleep. Tomorrow you'll feel like a new man, I'll wager. Then we'll hunt, eh? I have one rather promising prospect. Uh, good night, then. Sorry you can't go with me tonight. Expect rather fair sport. A big, strong black. He looks resourceful. Well, good night, Mr. Rainsford. I hope you have a good night's rest. The bed was good, and the pajamas of the softest silk. 
and I was tired in every fiber of my being, but I couldn't quiet my brain to sleep. I lay eyes wide open imagining the grisly room of heads that Zaroff was eager to show me. Once I thought I heard someone in the corridor outside my room, but try as I might, the door wouldn't open. I looked out my window. My room was high up in one of the towers. The lights of the chateau were out now, and it was dark and silent, but there was a fragment of a sallow moon, and by its waning light I could see, dimly, the courtyard. There, weaving in and out in the pattern of shadow, were black, noiseless forms. The hounds heard the window and looked up expectantly with their green eyes. I went back to the bed and laid down. By many methods, I tried to pull myself to sleep. I achieved a doze when, just as morning began to come, I heard far off in the jungle the faint report. And that's this week's show. Please send us your thoughts about the new season, this last summer stock, being a listener for nearly 15 years. Are we doing okay? Would you like to see something different or something that you'd like to see more of? Just email us at sonicsociety at gmail.com or send a message to the Sonic Society Facebook group. Or you can tweet us at Sonic Society or there's me at AstroTour2010. Yes, I've still got that old handle, but there we go. <laughs> Until we return next week for the conclusion of The Most Dangerous Game and we go back to our roots with Martian Orchestra Music, I'm David Alt. And I'm Jack Ward. Good night and welcome back, everyone. Good night. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen, the demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural... Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E dot com.